This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial. Your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Friday, July the 12th. I'm your host, D.A., and yet another blockbuster NBA deal. This time, the Houston Rockets acquire Russell Westbrook from the Oklahoma City Thunder. We knew that the Thunder were next up to try to trade Westbrook, but we didn't know where and we didn't know what the price would be. It ends up the Sam Presti, GM of the Thunder, once again brings back a haul in draft picks. And so by trading Jeremy Grant, Paul George, and now Westbrook, the Rockets have about a bazillion draft picks over the next seven years. Actually, technically, it's 15. But boy, that should be enough ammo to re-up, reset, and rebuild this Thunder roster. But how about Houston now? The Rockets wanted to make a splash. They wanted to upgrade from Chris Paul. They wanted to get a better running mate for James Harden. Did the Rockets win this deal? And can the Rockets now win an NBA championship? Here's Mad Radio on Sports Radio 610 in Houston. At the end of the James Harden-Chris Paul era, a shocking development last night as the Rockets have landed Russell Westbrook. They have traded Chris Paul and a number of draft picks, basically two of them and two pick, two pick swaps to Oklahoma City, and they have landed Russell Westbrook. Cecil, good morning. Your initial reaction to this trade is what? <laughs> oh, good morning, first of all. But, man, I, I guess from reports and everything that we heard earlier in the week, you know, we heard the rumblings, but we thought it would be a long shot. Yep. So when you text me yesterday and then I looked on Twitter and then I <laughs> watching TV and the whole night, I just couldn't believe it. I was shocked. So I'm looking, I'm reading reports and I'm like, okay, my first thought is what did they give up to get Russell? And then I seen it was some draft picks and then Chris Paul. I'm like, okay, they didn't give up none of their starting five. No other player, just player for player and picks. That's that is, it. that is a good deal. You get rid of, um, you, of course you get Russell Westbrook's contract, Yep, but he's a younger player. He's athletic. He's better than Chris Paul right now. And you get rid of that bad contract per se from from Chris Paul is because, you know, he's 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 uh old, he's he's aging. But I I was excited because that's another star power player with James Harden and the star power player in the city of Houston. So for me, I it, it was it, it just built a lot of excitement up for for this morning, I guess. I'm excited for this move, but my gut feeling is this. I don't believe this is the move that makes the Rockets a real championship contender. I still think they can win the NBA title if everything goes right, like I did earlier this week. But when I think about the combination, Cecil, of James Harden and Russell Westbrook, and God, that sounds weird to say, but when I think of the combination of James Harden and Russell Westbrook, I just don't know that this is the combination that's putting this team over the top. 
I'm very concerned about how these guys are going to fit on the basketball court together because Russell Westbrook is a guy who absolutely cannot shoot the basketball on a reliable basis. And I'm worried if one ball is going to be enough for these guys. I really am. Yeah, I think earlier in the week I made a joke, you know, because I was against it. I'm like, no, I don't see it happening. They play two different styles. And I think I mentioned, like, yeah, it'll work if they have two basketballs on the court. Mm Mm-hmm. But for me, and in, in reading these reports, Westbrook wanted to come play with Harden, yes. and and that that says a lot to me. That that thing to me, that says number one, he's ready to win, and number two, he understands what he's getting into. And when as a player, when you understand what you're getting into, understanding your role on the team, I think he will do whatever it takes, whatever Dan Tony has set up, um, whatever kind of offense they will run. I think he will fall in line and understand, look, this is Harden's team. So that, that's what makes me excited about the trade because he wanted to come here. It wasn't like him just getting traded and like, okay, we'll figure this out on the, on the fly. No, he wanted to come here and play with his friend Harden. Now, I'll, I'll give it this. They played in OKC. That was a different dynamic. Yes. he was. Harden was a sixth man. Um, Westbrook was a young point guard, still figuring things out. Yes, they went to the finals and lost to a great Miami team with D-Wade and, and LeBron and Bosh. But now they're both MVPs, and Harden is, I mean, un, unreal type player compared to what he was then. And even Russell, he's grown a lot since he, he since he's played together then. So I think just him being wanting to come play with Harden, and then I think he, he's going to understand his role, and I really think that he's going to bring something out of Harden that we ha- haven't seen before. Like Chris Paul couldn't do. The fact that the Rockets didn't have to break up their starting five and didn't have to give up any of their depth on that roster to acquire Westbrook, that's a big win. And let's just take out the draft picks for now because the Rockets are trying to win right now in the heart of James Harden's prime. And those draft picks don't really help you do that. So yes, the Rockets upgrade. Westbrook is much better than Chris Paul. But does it work? I mean, that's the big question. And I don't think there's any way you could answer that in the affirmative without knowing that It's possible it blows up in their face. But just on paper right now, do the Rockets get better? Sure, they acquired a superstar in Westbrook, upgraded from their previous point guard, and didn't give up any present players to do so. And let's face it, that Chris Paul deal was brutal in terms of the money and the years left on it. And so now we wonder, can Oklahoma City utilize these draft picks to reset successfully and What about the Miami Heat, who had their eyes on Russell Westbrook? Here's the Joe Rose Show with Zach Krantz and Dave Hyde on WQAM in Miami. They've got so many draft picks that they have to get better. Because if they don't through 2026 with all those picks they have, It'd be ridiculous. Now, like like you said a couple days ago also, we're not talking about you know number one, number two, and number three picks in the year uh, of the draft every year. More than likely 22, 27, 19, wherever it's going to be all these years. Yeah, this isn't the NFL where, no. you, where, where the 20th pick overall, you can still get a, sure. a top flight guy. starter. Yeah. Or, yeah, no, this is, this so is I'm a curious, huge crap I'm just curious how – now, Sam Presti, the Oklahoma City general manager, has proven he can draft well, but I'm, I'm curious what they come out of this with. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting, interesting to see what this trade and what the Oklahoma City team looks like. I mean, I, don't, I hate to fast forward, but four, four years from now, because really in about three or four years after the first set of these draft picks, that team should look better. But my whole thing is this all comes down – and yes, I was upset, and still am upset, that Russell Westbrook is not going to be on the C team. 
But who in who in that Heat camp has their eyes set on Chris Paul? Because that scares me. And I hope, like you said, I'm a shiny object guy. You know that, and you've said with me for five days now. If we've talked about shiny objects, I'm now afraid that Pat Riley is just like me. Well, there you go. So you should like Chris Paul. He's a shiny no, object. He is a dull object. <laughs> He was shiny at one point and was he's probably an, the best point guard in the league at one point. He's an aged shiny object. Yes. He is. He, you know what he is? He's an antique. You go into the antique store on a, on a vacation in Key West somewhere. You find that little thing that no one's really going to buy. You buy it because it, it's cool at the time. You put it in your house on the shelf. Two weeks later, you forget all about it. Except for the fact that it costs you $130 million. I'm curious. To, okay. If you're Oklahoma City, if if you're Daryl Morey, the general manager, making a trade like this, do you let it leak out? Oh, he's he's not going to stay in in Oklahoma City because you know people are going to look at you. You're kidding. You you ship Chris Paul to Oklahoma City to a awful roster and a rebuild, awful. and and with with no plan. It, it doesn't make any sense from the GM standpoint no. either of them. If Paul stays in Oklahoma City, on the other hand. It makes no sense for any team to take his contract. I think the issue is that for these draft picks and the Thunder, when you get Kevin Durant and James Harden and Russell Westbrook the first time around, those guys are being drafted in the top three to five picks, sometimes the top one or two, like Kevin Durant. So picks that exist in the teens or 20s aren't necessarily the same gold now, you could use those picks to trade up, but are any teams at the top of the draft at one, two, or three willing to trade out for multiple draft picks later on in the draft? It's really unlikely. So Oklahoma City is going to have to be better than everybody else, even with the number of draft picks, to get those types of players somewhere down the line. The second part is the Miami Heat, and let's just face it, if the Heat go after Chris Paul, yikes. I know they've got Jimmy Butler. I know Pat Riley wants relevance. I know they've missed the playoffs a number of years, but come on, man. Chris Paul, at this age, on that contract, it was a miracle, a miracle, that the Rockets found somebody to take that off their hands. I just think it's a mistake if the Heat go down that road as well. It sounds like the guys in Miami agree. Now, for the NBA, you've got players that basically call their shots. Paul George didn't want to be in Oklahoma City, which set this entire ball in motion. He leaves, and then Russell Westbrook says, okay, we're not going to compete here. So he then leaves. Now the Thunder are left looking towards 2026. Has Adam Silver and the NBA created a ticking time bomb? Here's WFAN in New York with Boomer Esiason and Greg Giannotti. I would say, hey, Adam Silver, you better wake the hell up. You, you have created a ticking time bomb in, in the NBA and allowed these players to do whatever they want, wherever they want. And, you know, maybe it has shifted the balance of power somewhat, but I also think it's a, there's a little bit more parity in the league because, you know, now we have two here, we have two there. We, we don't have any here, but except for over in Brooklyn. Um, so it, it's I feel like the parity is kind of it, the league is well, a little the bit league more is open, more wide open than the, it has been in years. But the players are basically dictating to the general managers <laughs> and the owners and the owners. Well, I don't know. Are we allowed to call them owners? Uh, what, what, just what are we be doing ca- just be careful when well, you do that. Well, I, just I mean, be careful. Like, You're going to get a letter from the NBA. They're not going to be happy with it. They, they own the team. They're going to find they you. They own the team. They're Obviously, owners. Just, so they own the team. Oh, you just got to find. Well, whatever. So they own the team and uh, they're they're basically dictating to the to the owners and to the general managers uh, what they want. 
and they're all acquiescing. There hasn't been one player that hasn't gotten what he's want what what he wanted except uh, Carmelo. Yeah, <laughs> he's the one guy. So uh, listen to this. This is now I am I'm all about the players getting as much as they can. I think it's great. I'm a, I'm a players guy. I think that they uh, are doing a nice job here as far as you think uh, they're doing a nice job of uh, of taking advantage of everything that they've been given. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? I mean, if they can get cut and traded and and you know thrown to the side at any point, why not maximize it? You're gonna in in this short window that you have to play. If you're given that that leeway, go out do it. I mean, this is the reason why I, I say that is mostly because of the stuff that you have said to me about the way that you fought for players' yeah, rights. I, I fought for football players' Fine. rights. Fine, it's the but same thing. Players' rights get the you know the kicks, they get the snot kicked out. It's of them. professional athletes taking right. advantage of this situation. Well, ba- ba- Good ba- for them. Baseball, Good for them. Baseball for years has been doing this, and you know now now the NBA over the last. I would say probably six or seven years, uh, the players have taken over. They have, you know, the, the owners should just get out of the way. Just it's, let the players well, this play. Is, they don't even need coaches. But don't blame the players for it. Blame hey. the general managers. Blame the owners. Blame the commissioner. Well, blame the commissioner and that's, the owners. That's, yes. you, that's where the anger should be reserved for. But how about this? this I'm going to read from the post. This, to me, is the ultimate things have gotten a little bit too crazy. All right? Kevin, here's the headline. KD forced Golden State to fork over a pick. All right? Before teaming up with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn, Kevin Durant made sure to bring another asset to the Nets. Durant's acquisition came with a sign-and-trade, D'Angelo Russell. Before the deal went through, though, Durant made sure the Nets also retrieved a first-round pick from Golden State, according to Brian Windhorst. Durant initially balked at being traded for Russell straight up. He didn't think it was a fair deal. So the Warriors had to give a pick over to the Nets yeah, as Kevin, well. But, yeah, but Kevin Durant was a free agent. He opted out of his contract. This is what I'm saying. It's nuts. And then they did the sign and trade. If that's accurate. Uh, listen, these guys, Brian Windhorst is a guy that I trust. He is somewhat, I'm not saying I don't trust him. I'm just he's saying a guy I, that I trust. So it, you're sitting here telling me that Kevin Durant's agent <laughs> yes. or Brian Windhorst is sitting here. You're right. reading to me from Brian Windhorst's comments right. that – Kevin Durant's agent went to Sean Marks and said, "Hey, if you want Kevin Durant, then you got to make this trade for D'Angelo." That's why all this stuff about Sean Marks saying, "I didn't know if he was coming. I didn't know if he was coming until you know he put that tweet out." It's all BS. Then all this stuff is BS, right? Of course it is, and it just it basically was that Durant wasn't going to sign off on this sign and trade unless they got a pick back. Like so, so then they did talk. They they all had these conversations. Yeah, then. of course. I told you that in the beginning. They, yeah. he, he, Sean Marks couldn't say anything differently because he would have been fined. I understand why he said it. I don't blame him for lying. But anybody who believed that is nuts. But it's I've never in my life in in two instances in sports there are unprecedented things. I've I've never seen this before, where a player told a team that he was getting traded from and a weird free agent sign and trade thing that they needed more, sent back his new team's way, that he just left, by the way, and had a bad relationship with. You got to give them more. I think this was unintended consequences for the NBA's most recent collective bargaining agreement. To me, you have a CBA here where it was supposed to be built so that these teams end up being able to retain the guys that they've drafted. This was supposed to help out competitive balance and allow teams to be able to hold on to the guys that they drafted because of bird rights. In other words, we can offer them more years and more money, and there's a salary cap, so we have an inherent financial and security advantage in re-signing our guys that we draft. 
Unfortunately, it's gone the other way. And players are saying, well, if I'm not going to get open market value, if there is going to be a hard cap and I can only make so much money, I might as well get my control in where I want to play and who I want to play with. And so these guys are on really short deals, one, two, three-year deals that they can make that decision as soon as they'd like. And then the player options, so many player options out there. Adam Silver and the owners created a CBA that allowed for this landscape to develop and evolve, but this was not their intention. All right, so moving on from the NBA and on to the NFL. Joe Namath, Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback, of course, Super Bowl MVP from Super Bowl three. One of the greatest upsets in sports history has written a new book, My Life in Four Quarters. And beyond the glory, beyond the MVP, beyond all of the unbelievable exploits on the football field and his legacy on the gridiron, off the football field, it was far harder for Namath. We all remember the embarrassing episode on Monday Night Football with Susie Colber. I want to kiss you. And that brought to light his drinking issues. He opened up about them on Cook and Joe on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Joe, it's easy to talk about, you know, Super Bowl three and your guarantee and, and and all the good stuff that happened. But you were very candid about having a drinking problem. Uh, you addressed all of it, the Susie Calber incident back in 2003. How hard was that to actually put on paper for everybody to see? It wasn't hard. It wasn't difficult. It might have been 50 years ago. It might have been difficult 40 years ago or 30 years ago. But uh, you live and learn. You know, we're human. Uh, we do, we're not perfect animals. We make mistakes, and uh, addiction comes in a, in a lot of forms. And having been able to recognize that, uh, uh, even early on in addiction to sugar or alcohol, uh, whoever thought when we were growing up uh, or even uh, out of college back in the 60s, mid-60s, late, you know, uh, uh, I didn't know from addiction. You know, we never had uh, what, what, the kind of drugs back in Beaver Falls that uh, developed later, you know, or back. Uh, I was uneducated about the, the possibility of getting addicted to something. And uh, having lived through the years and experienced a variety of uh, uh, negative uh, experiences and, and positive, certainly, too, uh, I, I felt like, uh, and getting an education, Ron, you see, that, that that's what helped me uh, understand uh, about the addiction thing after the Susie Colbert uh, 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 situation where uh, I really uh, fouled up there, and, and it was a blessing in disguise. It turned out to be that way. Uh, uh, Susie and I talked the next day, and... Uh, that's when I decided to go get an education and learn about uh, addiction. And uh, I, I think it saved my life, really, or someone else's. I could have had an accident driving a car and hurt somebody else, whatever. Uh, but uh, I, I did share that because there's a lot of people out there that are dealing with it uh, and are ashamed or are afraid to talk about it. And I want uh, people to understand that, hey, you can do almost anything uh, in life that you put your mind to do and your heart into it with the right kind of guidance. And, uh, uh, Ron, uh, to this day, 
I'll be in a supermarket or an airport, and people will, a man or lady will walk up to me and say, and, and whisper kind of, whisper, Joe, I'm a friend of Bill's. And when that first started happening, I couldn't hear the whisper even. I said, what? what you what? She said, I'm a friend of Bill's. I said, oh, great. <laughs> you know, there was such a stigma. And I, and I, I asked people, don't be afraid of, uh, of, of having been an addict or, or being a recovering addict from anything. Don't, don't, don't be ashamed of that, man. Just continue to overcome it. And uh, that's one of the things I try to convey in the book, uh, whether it be to adults or young kids learning to play ball, man, hey. Uh, we remember the losses more than we remember the wins throughout our our sports career. And uh, head coach Brian at Alabama tell us that uh, my freshman year. It's uh, we go through quite a bit through the book from Beaver Falls uh, up until uh, today. It seems therapeutic for Joe Namath to be able to open up and talk about this episode and these issues because. Let's face it, Joe Namath lived one of the fastest lives in NFL history. In the swinging 60s and 70s, he was the most eligible bachelor. The ladies loved him. He loved to be out of the town. He was in New York City. There was a lot of trappings at his feet, celebrity, women, riches, etc. And Joe Namath took advantage of all of those things. And so I think it seems pretty therapeutic for Joe Broadway, Joe, to go back through the archives and let everybody know, you know what, things weren't so easy as they seemed on the outside. Over to baseball. In Philadelphia, Bryce Harper signed that huge 13-year deal, and on the baseball diamond, hasn't quite lived up to that. The Phillies are in the wildcard race, but Bryce hasn't had an MVP caliber season. But it seems like off the baseball diamond, he's doing some great things in the community and for the fans and doing the right things in the city of Philadelphia. There's a young Phillies fan, four-year-old Baylor Stam, whose dad actually emailed radio host Angelo Cataldi on WIP in Philly and described a day where he tried to get a foul ball for his son Baylor. Bryce Harper throws it up, but it was snared by a young girl in the front row. So again, in the third inning, they came down to the railing, and Bryce Harper tried to do the same thing and eventually got it right. And so Bryce going out of his way to make sure that the young man, the four-year-old Baylor Stam, got that baseball at that game, obviously a memory forever. Well, Sean Stam, his dad, emailed Angelo Cataldi telling him about the story and then called in to describe exactly how it went down. I do have the guy on the line who wrote oh, the letter. Nice. Let me go through it real quick again. So the guys come out, and the little boy uh, gets so excited about Bryce Harper. Dad actually goes, when he's at a birthday party, the little boy just turned four. He's at a birthday party with a neighbor whose third birthday. Dad goes, Sean Stam, goes, gets little Baylor, brings him from the party over to watch Bryce Harper's first at bat in spring training. Remember how exciting that was, Al? It was unbelievable. It was crazy. I don't even remember what he did. Did he walk? I think he walked. Probably. Anyway, the little kid gets so excited. They took him to a game. He was thrilled. He almost got a ball then. uh, Bryce was signing stuff, and Baylor had out his hat, but he never got that done. For his fourth birthday, Sean and his wife got the little boy tickets right near 
where Bryce Harper plays in right field. And he's always playing with the fans. He's very fan-friendly. Right. First inning, Bryce threw a ball in the stands. Uh, no shot for Baylor. Right. Second inning, he throws it toward Baylor. A little girl makes an amazing play and snatches the ball. <laughs> Third inning, he throws it up there for the little boy again. This time, the girl dives. She's. I'll tell you how she's. They ought to sign her. Anyway, she knocks the ball back on the ground, on the warning track. Bryce goes over and makes sure Baylor has the ball. And that is a great story about this kid. And Dad is now on the phone with us. Let me get Sean up here. Sean, thank you for sending me this story. I love this story. Absolutely, Angela. I kind of sat on it for a little bit. And then this week with Mookie Betts doing his thing and – you kind of talking about how kids aren't interested anymore. I thought I, thought I need to share that with you. All right, well, here's the thing now, Sean. I'm guessing that little Baylor will love Bryce Hopper for the next 13 years that he's a Philly, right? The, the, the player took care of a fan very early on. Absolutely, and I keep trying to tell him, like, how privileged he is. Like, even with the other sports, just having Wentz, having Embiid, and having everyone around us, one day, like, you'll realize, what you're growing up with and how important that is. And like I said earlier in, the, in that uh, email, Cole name off all eight starters. He's pretty good with the pitchers, name, number. Uh, actually, at that game, we brought him to the, the gift shop, and uh, he picked out an Aranola shirt. He loves Romuto, all of them, Hoskins. And uh, he's really on board. Just a little side note with that girl. Uh, so the first time, she made a hell of a catch and dove over and grabbed that ball. In the third inning, uh, when he had actually tossed the ball to us. I had reached in front of the girl, but apparently my wife, who was behind us, said that she was trying to catch it for him. She was pointing at us. Oh. So I don't want to rip her too much. So no, she was trying no. to help out a little bit, but uh, I wasn't taking that chance the second time. Well, I want to just tell you how you made my life more complicated, all right, Sean? Because I have loved what Harper has done all but in the games themselves. In the games themselves, he's come up a little short. Not terrible. It's not but been not great bad. around the base pass. But how do I, Sean, and people, I'm getting a lot of nasty emails from people going, boy, you're giving him a break. And I'm going, you know, I kind of am because yeah. he's done so many of the other things so great. He's been such a great representative for the team and the city. How am I going to rip him now, Sean, if he strikes out three times tonight when I know how well he took care of your little kid? Strike it's harder. Out. I won't have a problem. Strike out three times a little. <laughs> well, you know, Sean, if he has a bad game, though, you you kind of still feel a soft spot for him because of the way he treated your kid, right? Uh, at the end of the day, I'm still a big Phillies fan, and I'll look okay. a little bit. She had mentioned it earlier, said that, you know, okay. I hope he performs, you know. I'm kind of with him on that, but as far as my son goes, a four-year-old baseball fan who sits through nine inning games with me and watches them on TV, listens them on the radio, uh, you know, for him it's good. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm still a Phillies fan. He's got to pull through. And I got to say that the little boy you sent me the photo. The little boy is just beautiful. A boy. I'm guessing he looks a lot like your wife. I know my daughter does. I look a lot like him. Oh really? So I'll take credit for that one. No, I don't see that. Do you? <laughs> He's better looking, He's better, Sean. He's better looking than you. I'm sorry. He's also younger. He's got more years to go. <laughs> Sean, anyway, you're a great dad, and I can't thank you enough for writing me that story, that letter, because it uh, meant a lot to me. It's what sports is really all about. Those are great stories. I think baseball lends itself to that even more than any other sport because. 
you know, you can get that downtime in the middle of a 162-game season. The game itself is much slower than other games. Baseballs you can collect, basketballs, footballs, pucks you usually can, although we have seen some great memories with hockey pucks. But that's a great story. And for Bryce Harper, I think that there's probably been a calculated effort to do as much as possible with the fans and the media so that the fans of the media aren't on him, knowing just how difficult that city has been and can be. But hey, the end justify the means, and if you're trying to be a good guy and doing it, hey, I can't criticize you. Finally, it's the summer, and so people will end up binge-watching a number of episodes of their favorite shows. This is the time of the year where you've got plenty of time to do so. And so what would be a show that you would create that you would watch 24-7 or binge mode. Here are the guys on Detroit's WXYT, 97.1 The Ticket, Jamie and Stoney discussing. First of all, I think ESPN should do a 30 for 30 channel. I think they should have ESPN colon 30 for 30. Oh, yeah. Where all they're doing is showing 30 for 30s. Because even if I've seen one before, I'll you know how like when you're flipping around and if you flip by TNT and they're showing The Fugitive, Greg... We're in. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're at the <laughs> outhouse, hen house, chicken house, whatever house, or they're at the whatever whatever scene they're on. I'm usually in for the rest. If I turned to a 30 for 30, um, I would definitely be watching it. But the idea came to my mind because of the whole NBA free agency thing and the way it played out on that Sunday afternoon where the deadline was, what, 6 p.m.? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it was Durant's going here, no word on Kawhi, uh, Kyrie's going you know, here, uh, Kemba's going there. I think what they should do is Adam Silver and the Players Association should come together and agree that the entire thing will be announced on one television show. Oh, my God. That would be unbelievable. A three-hour NBA free agency extravaganza. And it could be like, you could combine it with The Bachelor, Heather, because they're both, you know, Mm -hmm. Disney, ESPN, ABC (laughs) has rights to it. And, you know, coming up at 10 o'clock, Kevin Durant. Well, let's start things off with Ish Smith. Yeah. And, he, and, and and like you'd have a stu- uh, you'd have a big audience, and Ish Smith would come up yeah. to the podium and say, and he'd have, or he'd have "I'm taking my services to Washington," or, or 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 he could say, "I've come down to Washington, Detroit, and Phoenix," and they could have the GMs there on the stage, bing bing, like light right. light up, and then after the break, we'll tell you where Ish is going, and then it could go you know progressively up and up and up, and then the you know and the last player is Kawhi. Right, and also, and and uh, Adrian Wojnarowski will be on a platform above everybody else, and he'll announce it, <laughs> or no, he'll tweet it out before it happens. Well, no, see, that would ruin it. But he'd be like in some like thing where he'd be in a bomb. Can you imagine what the ratings would be for that show? It'd be great. I mean, it's like when Gov was saying that the NFL should do a lottery. Now, I disagree that they should do a lottery, but if they did, it would be one of the highest yes. rated television programs of the year. Right. I no came up with it. three shows. Okay, okay, <laughs> two of only one of them have to do with sports. There's one that's kind of similar to what Heather was talking about, the auto show. It's just called The Road. Okay. Where you actually, it would be reality, and it would have to be on HBO or you know, something where you could show stuff, what professional athletes actually do when they're on the road. When right. they get to the hotel and oh, there's God. women the waiting for the them. Scenes. Oh, yeah. Yes. How, totally uh, that agree. would be unbelievable. I mean, the way, look, I didn't experience that part of it, but I did experience the two play-by-play games I did for the Pistons, flying on that team plane, and you walk onto the plane after they play the Miami Heat, and there's Joe Stone Crabs at every seat. Just this great food, and they're walking around. Even these, I got, like, what, 100 bucks or whatever, but these guys are making zillions of dollars, and they still get a per diem.
I think these are a couple of really good ideas, namely the 30 for 30 channel. I mean, I guess that the ESPN app is kind of like this. You could watch all the 30 for 30s there, but it just feels different when it's on the big screen, doesn't it? And that series is absolutely amazing for anybody that loves the history of sports. An NBA free agency show would be great, except I don't think three hours will do it. You know, guys, NBA free agency has been so crazy. It's taken like the better part of a month to sort through everything if you go back to the Anthony Davis deal to the Lakers. So NBA free agency behind the scenes or announcement one after the other, almost like a signing day. Good idea, but I think we're going to have to set aside 33 hours, not three. That's the best of your sports talk for Friday, July the 12th. We'll see you on Monday, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.